All right. Good evening, everyone. We are live. Good evening. Um, thank the Lord for another day in the land of the living. We and another chance to get our acts together. We'd always like to say that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And praise the Lord again. And um, I don't know how we forgot to mention um, last week. Um, happy late Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. Uh, we hope you guys had a blessed day on this past Sunday. And many, many more to come. So uh, welcome back. If you're new here to Join the Midst of the Storm. A program where we like to do live weekly Bible Bible studies live here on Facebook and shortly upload them to all major podcast platforms shortly thereafter. And I don't have anything um, to announce, so we'll go ahead and get to it. Um, the title is The Declaration of the Unknown God. Um, do we really know who God is? And a lot of people have been in church for years and they don't even know. Yeah, I know he died for my sins a long time ago. I know that. But do we really know who he is and what? He wants us to do um, a guy was messaging us uh, a couple of days ago and he said there's a lot of debate about God and about a lot of different gods that people may believe in and then he said even with the Christian God there is debate about him and that can come from many different reasons a lot of people will say will not want to give certain things up and so they will overlook certain scriptures and say no God is this person he doesn't care if you do that He'll wink his eye at that sin, but don't do that other sin. So it's just a lot of debate and a lot of who is God, a lot of questioning about who he really is. And it's up to us to look, take a deep dive into the Bible to actually uncover it because it's all in there. All of our questions are answered within the Bible. We just need to take a deep, deep enough look and see what it's saying. So without any further ado, I'm going to pass it over to Minister Tony Banks and we can go ahead and get into this evening's message. Thank you, Melvin. Before we start tonight, uh, we always like to begin by saying a prayer. If you guys are at a place that you can and will bow your heads with us, we encourage you to do so. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity. Lord, we, we cannot say thank you enough, Lord. You've been so gracious, so merciful, so kind, so pleasant to us. And Lord, we just come to you first and foremost to give gratitude, to, to, to uh, humble ourselves before you. And Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we're praying for uh, all of our loved ones, our friends, our enemies. doesn't matter who it is, Lord. We're praying that we would all turn our lives over to you that we would find out who you are, find your truth, find out everything about you, and that we would continue on the path of salvation. So Lord, we're also praying for all the people going through so many trials, tribulations, heartaches, uh, pain, agony, whatever the case may be, Lord, we're praying that you would continue to show us that no matter what is going on in our lives, Lord, that there is joy in the midst of the storm. And that's that's what we're praying tonight lord we're also praying that you would open the eyes of uh, those listening opening the eyes of us speaking that your word would go forth that you would increase and we would decrease lord we're praying these many blessings in your precious name jesus amen Man. so melvin already mentioned the title tonight we're talking about the declaration of the unknown god um and it's something that paul spoke about and so I wanted to look at that uh, because we've all been there. Some of us still are there, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the thing is, God wants us to know who he is. Um, 
I mean, it doesn't matter who it is in this world. We all have to be taught things uh, <laughs> because we aren't born knowing things. We have to be taught. And so God is no different. People have to teach us how to speak. We don't come into the world knowing uh, English or Spanish or whatever language uh, that we've learned uh, from our youth. And so God is no different. We have to learn about him. And so what we learn means everything. You have people right now that are uh, growing kids, children, babies, growing up being taught that racism is a good thing. You have children growing up being taught that prejudice, uh, being prejudiced is a good thing. So we have to be careful what it is that we learn. And that also applies to God. Everybody teaching does not mean that they're teaching the truth about God just because they're a nice person. Uh, and so we want to we want to look at what the scripture has to say about this. And so we're going to pick up Paul. Now, Paul, the uh, final and 12th apostle, he was someone who didn't know God himself. And yet God had chosen him from the foundation of the world to carry his message. And that same Paul was fighting against the Lord Jesus. He didn't know who he was. And so a lot of us have heard the story. Maybe some of us have not. And I won't. I don't believe I'm going to spend a lot of time on that tonight. But Paul, uh, he was originally Saul. And he was headed to Damascus. And he had letters of authority giving him permission to cross over into these cities, these towns, whatever you want to call them, states, countries, whatever. He had letters to give him the permission to kill Christians. Now, this same person was chosen by God to go and save Christians. He didn't know it at the time, though. God had to declare himself unto Paul. And so... That's what this is about, recognizing, finding out who God is. And it's all in his due time. Uh, but it's going to take us to humble ourselves. When, when, uh, when God shined the light and blinded Saul, he fell to his knees. He became humble. God got him in the place where he was willing to listen. Because once we learn something... <laughs> There's no change in our minds about a lot of things. We say, oh, I already know this. I know that and I know this too. And so a lot of times we find ourselves wrong in what it is that we think we know. But nobody can tell us anything. But God, God can only use us when we're humble. When we're willing to admit, I don't really know the way I think I know. I'm not really sure. And, and that's a beautiful thing when I see someone say that, they're not certain. They're not sure. Because those are the people that God can use. And so we're going to look at what's happening here with Paul. Uh, so now he's no longer that person that was killing Christians. This is a lot of time has passed. And so now we're going to pick him up. Let, let's pick up the focus verse uh, first. Uh, we'll pick up Acts 17 and verse 23 and then we'll go back up. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with the inscription, 
to the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Now, this is, these are words uttered by Paul. He's in Athens. And he noticed people were worshiping God. But the issue he found out was these people did not know who God was. They were worshiping God, and yet they still had no understanding of who he really was. It's possible we're still doing it today. But we have the opportunity to find out who he is. So Paul tells us he's going to declare the unknown God to us. And by God's grace and mercy, I'm going to declare to you who God is. But it's still going to take him because he gives the increase. He has to open your eyes. He has to open your understanding. Uh, that's what Elisha prayed way back when. He said, Lord, open his eyes. Talking about his servant. That's what I'm praying tonight God would do for so many of us, include me. God, open my eyes. Open those that are listening. Open all of their eyes so that we can understand who you are more and more each day. So I want to go back to pick up how this thing started. Let's go back up. Uh... Let's go back up to verse 13. But when the Jews of Thessalonica, Thessalonica had noted, had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul at Berea, they came thither also and stirred up the people. People found out. <laughs> the Jews found out that Paul had been down teaching these people at Berea about Jesus. And so they came down to stir some trouble up. All right. And then immediately the brethren sent away Paul to go as it were into the sea. But Silas and Timothy abode there still. Mm -hmm. And they that conducted Paul brought him in unto Athens. And receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timothy for to come to him with all speed, they departed. So we find now that Paul has left Berea. And he has now made his way to Athens because people wanted to fight him there. That's what the word of God does. People want to fight it. People don't want to accept what God says. But why fight the truth? Uh, one scripture says, buy the truth and sell it not. Why, why, would we, why would we take anything less than the truth? So we find Paul in Athens. All right. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Now, Paul is waiting for Silas and Timothy to come down to Athens. But while he's waiting there, he could, he could not ignore the fact that these people were given into idolatry. They were following things that were not God. They were following people and things that had nothing to do with God. And yet, in their minds, they believed it was God. That's all idolatry is. Following a false God. Making something God 
that is not God. Making someone God. Because we can put people in God's place too. Making someone God who is not God. Because we don't know who God is. And so Paul, his spirit was stirred. He was hurt, he was hurt by this. Because being a preacher, and I can relate to this, being a preacher... It hurts you to see someone being deceived. It hurts you to see someone fooling themselves. You don't want to see that. And so Paul sees it. He saw the city hope they're fully giving themselves over to false gods. Even to this day. Even to this very day. Everybody has a belief on God. We don't all follow the same God. We got a God. We got religions that say it's one God. We got some that say it's two, three, four, five millions. <laughs> a God for everything. A dirt God, sun God, rain God, a God God. I mean, we have a God for everything. And so Paul found an issue here. Because he knew who the one true God is. He knew who the one true God is. Alright. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. So Paul went to work. He began to dispute with them. He said, hold on now. You're saying this person is God. This being is God. Let's look at these scriptures. Because that's not so. Somebody would say, oh, he just want to fight. <laughs> Somebody would say he just wants to argue. He, he just, this person is never wrong. Somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. We just have to humble ourselves because these are words of salvation. These aren't words of uh, uh, of of greed, of gain, of, of, of fighting. These are words of salvation. I mean, and I've said this before. If we've all been in school, at least majority of us have been in school at some point of our lives. And a lot of times a teacher will allow you to take, they give you a test. And so they'll grade the test and they'll, Mark answers that you have wrong and they give you the paperback and tell you you need to fix these problems. I've never seen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I know I've never seen it. I've never seen someone get mad at the teacher and say, I can't believe they gave me this paperback and told me my wrong answers and gave me a chance to get them right. I can't believe that. I've never seen it. Because we're grateful we're grateful to have an opportunity to get it right. That's what God's doing. He's giving us the test back and saying, look, go back and look at it again. Because what you thought was right. I know when we mark these answers on these papers, we say, I felt good about it too. <laughs> and, then other, and then when we got the paper back, we found out we were wrong. And other times people say, man, I didn't know a single thing on there. 
And so they felt that they were doing bad. And when they got it back, they said, I actually did better than I did on the last test. And I studied way harder. So what that tells me is you don't know what you're doing. You're not sure. But God wants us to be sure. He don't want us to guess at it like we do on, on tests. He don't want us to guess at his understanding. His ways are not our ways. So we find Paul here and he sees the city of Athens given over to false gods, making things God that are not God, making people God who are not God. They try to call Paul one of the gods. Barnabas, they try to call him one of the gods. We do this as people. But I thank God for an opportunity to get the answer right. I thank God for life and time so that I can get straight. Because I was wrong. I had a false understanding of who God was and who God is. But I had to get right. So now, let's move to verse 17, Melvin, if you will. Uh, again, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with them. He was talking to people everywhere he went. And I know some people that seen him, they said, here he come again. <laughs> he always want to fight. He always want to argue about this God. I already told him, I know who God is. <laughs> That's the same thing we saying today. But he was trying to help someone. He was trying to let someone know, I want to show you who the real God is, all right? Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. People say, <laughs> It's a babbler. <laughs> he just talking. This man crazy. He's teaching about stuff we never heard of before. It's a strange teaching. He's coming with strange God. Stuff we never heard of before. Talking about a resurrection. <laughs> philosophy. That's something today. Somebody told me one time. They said, you're a philosopher. I said, no, I got nothing to do with philosophy. I have nothing to do with philosophy. I'm about learning who God is. I know somebody might say, well, philosophers, they study things about God. I ain't got nothing to do with that. All right. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine thereof thou speakest is? Mm -hmm. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. I mean... They wanted to know what he was talking about, all right? For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time and nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new things. Some people, they don't have anything to do, so they just wanted to hear something new. Some people just wanted to be nosy. The same thing is happening today. A lot of people right now, because of the coronavirus, so a lot of people have nothing to do. So we start poking our noses into so many things, trying to hear something, trying to see something. 
because we say we're bored. So we find some people here do that same thing. But thank God that they're asking about the Lord. So now they wanted to hear something new. All right. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. Ye are too superstitious. We suffer from the same things today. There is nothing new under the sun. Somebody right now is persuaded. I've been around people like this. I have friends like this. Persuaded. If you walk under a ladder... You're going to have so much time of bad luck. If a black cat crosses the street in front of you, you're going to have so much bad luck. It's things like this that happen all the time. People say if they give you a knife, a box blade, and it's open, you must return it back to them open or else you're going to give them bad luck if you close it. You got to give it back to them exactly the way they gave it to you. Superstition. It's not real. That's made up in our minds. Paul said, I can tell you people are too superstitious. You're willing to believe in things that are not true. And it's hurting him. It's hurting Paul. It's grieving him. He wants to help people. He wants people to follow something that's real. So he said, you people are too superstitious, all right? For as I passed by and beheld your devotions. He saw them devoted. As people look at the devotion of humans to what they believe in. I mean, take any religion. You're going to find some devoted people. I mean, whether it's a monk, a, a priest, whatever it is. You're going to see some devotion. People dedicating their lives to studying. People dedicating their time. Giving up uh, their family. Giving up friends. Giving up uh, different activities. Whatever the case may be. We find some devotion going on. But look at what Paul says. Alright. I found an altar with the inscription. To the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. They were devoted, and yet they worship God ignorantly. They didn't understand who it was that they were even worshiping. They did all these things ignorantly. We can still do the same thing today. Jesus told the woman at the well, he said, ye worship what you know not. You don't know what you're worshiping. You don't even know what it is that you're worshiping. But God wants us to come to a place, to a level where we know him. That we can see him as he is. That we would be like him. God wants us to have a real relationship with him. You can't have a relationship with somebody you don't know. It's impossible. That's what happens when uh, when we're looking for a spouse, when we have a spouse. We know things about them. We know what they like to eat, how they like to dress. We know so many things, you know, things about them that nobody else does. 
That's the relationship God wants with us. He wants us to know things about him that people who are not his children, they won't know. But we know because we have a relationship with him. Because we have that connection with him. So Paul says he looked around and he seen how there was devotion to all of these different gods. They had every God that they could think of. They had a place written down for each one. And then Paul looked at a place that stated the unknown God for the next for the God that nobody knew about. And he said, this is the one that I want to declare unto you. I want to reveal to you who that God is. All right. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. Paul began to work on telling them who that God is. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus, he told us in Matthew 28, and I believe the verse 18, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. All power. We talking about God here. God that made the world. He made heaven and earth. We talking about God here. The one that all power was given to. We talking about God. Alright. Neither is worshipped with men's hands. As though he needed anything. God don't need us to worship him. He don't need us to lift our hands in the sanctuary. He don't need that. We need him. We need God. He doesn't need us for anything. Alright. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Mm -hmm. And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. God sent Jesus into the world and he gave his blood for all nations. We're talking about God, the one that created the heaven and the earth. The one that said, let there be light. The one that created the sun. Nobody, God doesn't need help doing anything. Nobody has to go and <laughs> recalibrate the sun. Nobody has to go and keep the sun in its place. Nobody has to go and make sure the, the, <laughs> the rays on the sun are working. The lights are radiating off the sun. Nobody has to do that. God doesn't need our help. Nobody has to make the earth rotate. Nobody has to make it rain. God does all these things for us. This is the God that Paul wanted to declare to them. The one that I'm praying we would see tonight. I mean, I, I, I can't even begin to touch this topic. It's so much to cover. This is just the beginning. But I'm praying somebody out there would stay tuned in with us throughout the year, throughout the years, because if you do, you will understand who the unknown God is. You will understand who the Lord Jesus is. 
the Almighty God, the everlasting Father. All right. That they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. He's not far. All you have to do is seek him. He said, seek and you'll find. He ain't even far. You know, sometimes we look for things and we have no idea where they are. It can be from here to, to, I mean, another state, another country. We don't know where things are sometimes. But God, he's not far away. All you have to do is seek him and you'll find. He said, knock and it'll be open unto you. That's all we have to do. He's there. I'm reminded of a person who decided one day that they wanted to give their life over to God. And so this person began to seek him, began to try to turn their life around, began to cry out to him. And it was me. And before I knew it, God was at my door. He was there the whole time. I just didn't know it. All I had to do was seek him. He's not far. Because where can we go that God isn't there? He's everywhere. There's nowhere. We can't get away from him. All we have to do is call on him and he'll be there. He'll appear. He told us he would never leave us nor forsake us. So, God, he doesn't dwell in temples made with man's hand. A lot of times people feel as if God is sitting in the church. Because we get right on Sunday mornings. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes we get right when we go to the church house. We say, I ain't going to do no cursing in the church. And we ain't going to do no drinking and partying in the church. Some people still do. But, <laughs> but some of us get right in the church because we say that's the house of the Lord. We come in to uh, give reverence to him. But God doesn't dwell in the temple. God's desire is to live in us. So the way that we carry ourselves Sunday, Sunday morning for that hour that we're at church, he's expecting us to carry ourselves like that every day. Because, again, God wants to live in us. Know ye not that your body is the temple of God, temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? He wants to live in you because God is the spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, in 27 again, it says that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him. You're going to find him because he promised he would reveal himself. He promised to show himself to us if we seek him. He, he cannot lie. So he said, he's not far from us, all right? 
For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of you, your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. God has done everything for us. Because of him, we have a body. Some of us white, some of us black, some of us uh, whatever race we are, whatever ethnicity. That's because of God, because of what he gave us. We're able to move. We're able to feel. We have five senses, so we say. That's because of God. Everything we have is because of God. We have order in the world because of God. We see how God created everything, the heaven and the earth, the galaxies, I mean, sand, trees, I mean, animals. We see order throughout these animals. We see males and females. We see that even within us. He said, let all things be done decently in order. Decently and in order. God has an order. And so he did all of this. This is. And he did all of that for us. Because he loves us just that much. I was talking to one of my friends. And he asked me. Who my mother was. And I wasn't sure where this was headed. And so I told him. Who my mother was. And so then we kept talking and he asked me who God was. And, and, and I was relatively short when he asked me who my mother was. But when he asked me who God was, I said, man, God is everything. He's done more for me than anybody has. He's given me life. He gave me a mother. I wouldn't have a mother without God. He's given me so much to be thankful for. He's given me air. And every breath he blows in, I blow, I blow one back out. God has given so much to me. He's given me strength to move every day. Because at one point of time, I didn't have the strength to. He's given me an appetite. At one point in time, I didn't have one. So, I thank God for all of the things that may seem small, may have seemed small to me at one point. That's who God is to me. He's, he's, he's everything. He's the Alpha, the Omega. He said, why are you giving me these scriptures? <laughs> How can I not? But so, what I was trying to get him to see was that this is the unknown God. He's more than anybody has ever been to me. It's not to say that I don't love my mother. I don't love my family. That, that has, that's not to say that. But after I explained that, he said, okay, I see what you're saying now. But in his explanation, it was opposite. He had this full explanation for his mother. But when it come to God, he was real short. He was brief. But how can God, how can we say God appreciates that? I first have to start, have to thank God for even giving me my mother. But anyways, let's move down, Mel. Well, we're on verse 29. 
For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone graven by art and man's device. Something Paul wanted us to realize because idolatry is a real thing. We put so many things over God. And these things are created by our own hands. Now, if we go all the way back, we'll see what happened when Moses went to talk to God on the mountain. We know that when he left his brother Aaron, the people came to him and wanted him to make gods. So they made a golden calf and they declared that calf to be God. Now, somebody will look at that situation and say, that's weird. We don't do stuff like that today. We do. <laughs> because we still have that same thing today. Because right now, it was a calf that they created. And they worship that calf. Right now, we do the same thing. Somebody out there right now love the Chicago Bulls. Instead of a calf, <laughs> he grown now. <laughs> he a bull. He no longer a baby. Somebody loves the Chicago Bulls. We do the same thing today. I'm not saying it's wrong to love a sports team. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is oftentimes we take these sports and we elevate them above God. We worship these things. I mean, look. Sit back and think about ourselves at a sporting event and look at all the hoorahing that we do. I mean, we're out there. Some people are out there with no shirt on, body spray painted from head to toe. All in their team's colors. <laughs> and they've traveled from across the state. No telling how much money we've spent in tickets, food, uh, transportation, whatever it is that we that we pay for. We've shown our devotion to the Chicago Bulls. And so it does not matter if the team is down by 50. We're still in there sweating, chanting to the top of our lungs. We've lost our <laughs> we lost our voice. We've been in there yelling so long. We tired. We hungry. But we must cheer on our team. But now when it comes to God, I've been to many churches. <laughs> I've been to many churches. When it comes to God, we're in there half dead. We're in there singing as quiet as we possibly can. But if we go to the sporting event, we give them all of our praise and worship. I mean, we jumping, hitting flips. But for God, somebody said, that's strange. I don't see why they got to do all that. I don't see why they act like they got the Holy Ghost all the time. <laughs> they caught the Holy Ghost. So for God, we find all these things strange. We find praise and worship strange for God. But for our sports team, we don't find praise and worship strange at all. We love it's something wrong with you if you ain't praising worshiping the team. What's wrong with you today? Something must be wrong with you. You're not acting like yourself. 
And so we can tell all the stats. I was talking to somebody not long ago, and uh, they were telling me, they said, man, I can't wait till this coronavirus situation is over. I'm just ready for some ball. <laughs> I said, man, that, in my mind, I didn't say it, but in my mind, I'm thinking, man, is that all you care about? Are you not concerned with the lives that are being affected? What about all the people? The people whom God told us to care about. What about those people? But all we're thinking about is, man, I can't wait till the ball game comes back. Because that has taken the place of God in our lives. And we don't even know it sometimes. So many things can take the place of God, take our attention from God, and we don't recognize. We learn all the stats. We learn everything. But when it comes to God... Man, we can't even we we can't have a conversation about them because we don't know anything about them. But if they ask about the Bulls, we can tell you every player that ever played on them, our favorite to our least favorite. We can tell it all. But when we say, let's talk about God now, they said, man, they always want to bring up God. Ain't nobody trying to talk about God today. We did that at church Sunday. We don't have time for that. So we elevate so many things. This is what Paul found in Athens. And he found that everywhere else too. We have fallen victim to idolatry. And we have no clue who God is. Alright. Verse 30. <clears throat> in the times of ignorance, of this ignorance, God winked at Now, God, once upon a time, God allowed this. He recognized we were ignorant as people. He recognized we didn't have no clue who he really was. He recognized this, and he winked at it. He gave us a pass. He gave us a pass. And the reason why was because Jesus Christ had not yet come. Jesus Christ had not yet come to set everything in order, to put everything on the path that God wanted it to be on. And so now that he has come, though, it's a new story. Read the next clause for us, Melvin. But now he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. But now God wants all of us to get right. He wants all of us to come to the knowledge of who he is. God gave us a pet. It's just like when you're a when when you're a baby. If you have a one year old baby, and you have a glass of milk on the table, that baby may be able to knock that glass over, or or even say you give the baby a cup, and the baby knocks the cup over by mistake. You give that baby a pass. You don't whip the one year old baby. You give her a pass. You winked at it. But after she has come to some understanding, after knowledge has finally started to enter into her mind, the baby's five years old now, knows some things that are right and some things that are wrong. And one of them is spilling that cup because you've already told that baby, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh-uh. And so 
at this stage, you're no longer winking at it. You say, I'm going to whoop your butt now. You start giving warnings. That's what God has done with us. He, he, he's, a, he's allowed us to grow up. And he said, look, it's time for us to learn. We can't continue being ignorant. We can't continue going through life saying, I don't know who God is. He wants you to learn now. He's given us an opportunity. That's love. What greater love is that than to give us an opportunity? I've seen many people. I've seen jobs. Many instances out there where someone is ignorant to think. Someone may not be the brightest person. Someone may not be the smartest person. And so this person struggles with doing certain tasks. I've seen jobs. I've seen people give up on them. Because this person did not grow as fast as they wanted. I've seen it many times. And it hurt me. And the reason why is because when I study God, I find that he's long-suffering. He suffers long with us. He puts up with us for a long time. He gives us so many opportunities to grow. So many opportunities to get better because we all have weaknesses. And so what I find with God is he don't give up on us. As long as we're willing to continue trying, he's not. he said he'll never leave us. He would never forsake us. But we as people, we'll give up on somebody quick and still say, I have the love of God dwelling in me. My, my, my. <laughs> my, my, my. We don't know who God is because the God that I serve, he puts up with us. He has been, he's, he's overlooked, he's winked at a lot of stuff. We won't overlook anything. We still, we still hold grudges on things people did to us 30 years ago, five years ago, two years ago. I know I've been guilty of this before. And so I had to look at myself and say, Lord, help me. Because he tells us, grudge not one another. He said, don't hold a grudge on people, against people. Because Jesus died so that you can be forgiven. And so how can I take what he did and now I won't allow some, I won't forgive someone else. When God issued that same mercy to me, that's not right. So this is, we have to learn who God is. He is forgiving. God is love. So often, and I know I've struggled with this before too. So often we say things to people and we turn them away. We don't understand how to... Even though we might need to tell them a harsh truth, we can try to tell them in a manner that won't immediately offend them, at least in a manner that will allow them to hear us. We have to walk in uh, wisdom towards them that don't have it. We have to use wisdom, be wise about situations. That's God. He's wise about how he does things. God is patient. Something God's been teaching me how to do is be patient. Patience is a hard thing. I'm talking about when you really have to be patient. 
I'm talking about waiting years for things. That's patience. It's easy to wait a day. I mean, sometimes it may be hard. We may say, yeah, that's hard. But try waiting a year. Try waiting multiple years. Then you talk about some real patience. But that's who God is. He's patient. He's not in a hurry to do anything, but we are. And so the Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we have to learn his mindset. This is declaring the unknown God. We have to be patient. It's things that we don't want to do, but it's beneficial to us. It'll save us. Everybody wants to be saved at the end of their lives. Even if someone out there is not sure that our life is not over when we die. Friend, I will ask you, why would all of this transpire? I mean, just think about all of the things that take place in life. We're born. We grow up. I mean, we experience so much joy, so much happiness, so much pain, so much sorrow. It would not even make, just coming from a logical standpoint, it wouldn't even make sense for it to end there. It wouldn't even make sense for all of this stuff to happen. It wouldn't even make sense for it to be over. Because God didn't create it like that. He wants, he came to bring us life. And in doing so, we're going to live forever. But that's a whole nother story. <laughs> we, we're not going to have time to get into all that tonight. But let, let's continue reading. Because he has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. He has a day where he's going to judge us for our evil and our good. Somebody may think that's unfair. But when we commit crimes, the law takes us to the judge. So, I know God is greater than me. He's greater than humans. I know he is. God can do what he wants. All right. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, we will hear thee again of this matter. I want to go back up. Uh, we, we, didn't, we didn't read this. Uh, but I want to go back up to verse, verse 10. And the brethren Im immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now, synagogues were churches. He went into the church of the Jews, all right? These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Now, this is incredible. Paul looks, he goes to Berea, and he's telling these people, about what's in the scriptures. And now the Bible says in verse 11, these were more noble 
than those in Thessalonica, in that they receive the word with all readiness of mind. Some people, when they hear the word of God, they don't receive it at all. Immediately, they want to fight it. They said, no, no, I just don't believe that. Oh, no, I know I don't believe that. And so it's certain things that they hear from the scripture. They believe they choose to believe in other things they reject. But now here we find the Bible comparing two groups of people. The people of Thessalonica and the people of Berea. Now, the people of Berea, they received the word with readiness of mind. And not only did they receive the word, it tells us they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So they not only heard Paul and what he said, but they decided, I'm going to do some studying myself and find out, is that true? This is what we have to do. Jesus told us in one place, he said, search the scriptures, for in them ye think. He said, you think you saved. He said, but search the scriptures though. Because if you do, then you can save yourself. The scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. So we find people who are searching the scriptures daily. This is what God wants us to do. This is how we learn of him. This is how the declaration of God is made to us by his word. The Bible is the word of God. So we have to search the scriptures and now, it's hard. I want to move over to, uh, I think it's in the book of Matthew. It's hard to comprehend all of the things in Scripture uh, only until God reveals the mystery to us. Because even, even take Christianity itself, not even every religion, but you can see it in every religion also. But like I mentioned earlier, we see so many different gods. We see so many beliefs on gods. And so what we have to confess is that it's a mystery. One place it said, great is the mystery of godliness. We might pick that up. Actually, let's pick that up first. Uh, that's in First Timothy, chapter uh, three sixteen. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Great! This is a great mystery. Who God is? Godliness, God's way, who He is, His character, His being. Bible says the express image of his person, not three persons, his person. It's a great controversy. It's a great debate who God is. You know, this, this reminds me of something I seen uh, when all the storms came through, the tornadoes. There was this church. Uh, and outside of the church, there were three crosses because we know majority of people 
uh, who are Christians believe in the Trinity. And so the three crosses, no doubt, represented the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now a tornado came. Now this is God. We're talking about God's work. A tornado came and only one cross was standing. There was a cross. There, the crosses had fallen. God uprooted them and knocked them over. And it was only one standing. And that is a mystery. <laughs> it's a mystery because God is one. He's not three. God is not three. God is one. Hero Israel, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. He's only one. The declaration of the unknown God. So Paul tells us here, he said, great is the mystery of God. We don't know who God is. Some people say three, he two, he's one, he's five. We don't even know. Great is the mystery. But there's somebody out there that does know. All right. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. We talking about Jesus Christ here. He was preached unto the Gentiles. One place he said, in him do the Gentiles trust. That's what we say right now in the United States. In God we trust. And every time we're talking about the Lord Jesus. And not even recognizing the mystery behind it. Great is the mystery. I want to pick up. Um, it's in the book of Matthew. Uh, it may be Matthew 13 and 10. Let's see what that one is. Because the mystery is hidden. Yeah, Matthew 13, 10. The mystery is hidden. Paul told us this is a great mystery because somebody now says, I know there's many out there that says, I don't really know who God is. It's a mystery. Because this person says this, that person says that. Everybody says a different thing. It's a mystery. Without controversy, there's no fighting there. It's a mystery. But now... God is going to give this mystery to us. Alright. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them unto them in parables? Now we're talking about two groups of people here. We're talking about disciples of God, and then we're talking about others who are not disciples of the one true God now. Alright. He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. God, see, when we have children, we give certain things to our children that we don't give to someone that's not ours. That's the way the world is. I was talking to somebody today. I asked them about that stimulus check that they got. <laughs> I asked them if they were going to give me some of it. They said, I would, but I have a son. <laughs> and he comes ahead of you. I have to give it to him first if I'm going to give it to anybody. That's his child. I expect him to do that. So when I come to God, 
we become his child. He gives us the power to become the sons of God and the daughters of God. He gave us his power to do that. So it is given to us to know certain mysteries that the world won't know. The rest of people out there, they won't know these mysteries. But we have to get in Christ first. We have to seek them. He said, seek and you'll find. Knock and it shall be open. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, he said, I'll come in. I'll come in and commune with you. But you have to seek me. He's not going to force you. He ain't going to knock the door down. That's not what God did. That's not what God does. We see Mary and Joseph, when they had Jesus, they knocked on the door. When he was about to be delivered, they knocked on the door and somebody turned them down. They said, there's no room here. <laughs> Are you telling God that today? There's no room here. I don't have time for you. The same way they turned down Jesus being born back then at the hospital. Hospitals right now turning people away because they don't have room. They said, we don't have enough tests to test for you for the coronavirus. You have to come back when you have more symptoms. But God says something otherwise. He said he always has room. Is there anything too hard for God? So he says, the mysteries is given to you. I want you to know it. But for them, they're not my children. That doesn't mean he didn't create them. God created us all. We'll have to get into that a different day though. But Jesus cleared that up too. There's a difference between the child and the seed. We don't have we don't have time to get into that. But the mystery. God wants us to know the mystery, who he is from the beginning. God sent, he called for Moses. Moses was out working for his father-in-law Jethro. Had a good life, had a wife children and he had cattle he was taken care of and he was going to inherit it too he was making money so we would say and God called him showed him the burning bush called him got his attention and told him he wanted to send him down into Egypt and Moses he asked him he wanted to know what his name was that's the first thing we ought to want to know when we come to God. What's his name? Because when you meet anyone, I mean, and some of us meet people daily. We say, hello. What's your name? My name is so-and-so. And we ask their name. That's one of the first things you do. When you come into some type of relationship, whether it's friendship or what, you announce yourself and you want to know who they are. And so from the beginning, Moses said, look, when you send me down here to these people, they're going to want to know who is this God? What's his name? But it was not time for the mystery to be revealed. I told you, it only started when Jesus got here, Jesus said everything straight. But back then, God told him, he said, I am that I am. It's a mystery. 
But what I will tell you for now is that I'm everything you need me to be. I am whatever you need me to be. So he had a rod. The Bible tells us God was the rod. He was everything. God was everything they needed him to be. Because when their enemy was breathing down their necks, chasing them, trying to kill some and bring them back to Egypt, God parted the water through that rod. He's everything we need him to be. He's a savior. He's an antidepressant because so many of us are suffering with depression. God is that. It's a mystery how he's all these things. But it's given to us to know these mysteries. So Paul said in the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, he said, look, I want to declare to you. It'll take me all night to do it. It'll take me all year, the entire century to finish this work. But somebody must begin to declare to you who the unknown God is. Who the God of the universe is. The Lord Jesus Christ. So in the beginning. Moses asked them. Who, what, what should I tell them? God said I am that I am. And so when Jesus came here. He uttered the same words. He said I am. So many occasions he said I am. When they came to the garden of Gethsemane. He said I am he. We won't have time to get all into that. But it's a mystery. It's a mystery how God works. I was um, thinking about uh, someone who was suffering from uh, the coronavirus. And I remember. Now, this person had become so sick. They went into a coma. I think uh, I think it was 19 days. I can't remember the exact amount of days, uh, but I believe it was about 19 days. And I remember talking to a person and they said, yeah, I don't believe they're going to make it. Because they looked at the condition that this person was in. I said, man, we can't say that. I, I don't know what God has in store because God is a mystery. He, he works wonders. He's a miracle worker. And every miracle, it ain't nothing but a mystery. Great is that mystery. And so, today, I listened to this person talk about it. And they said, man, this person, glory to God, this person is now conscious. He said, they went from not being able to breathe on their own. And now, they're responding. They're talking now. They can breathe on their own. We're talking about a mystery. See, this type of thing makes me get happy. I can feel the spirit of the Lord when I talk about the mystery of God. And so they made a statement. They said, I said, man, didn't weren't you just telling me that you believe this person was not going to make it? I said, you just told me that. But this is a mystery. You can't doubt God. Is there anything too hard for Lord? God has to make us a believer of this mystery. He has to declare himself. Because somebody, I'm talking to people who claim Christianity. 
I wasn't talking to somebody that said, I don't believe in God. I'm talking to people who said, I believe in the Lord Jesus. And yet, he still, this person still did not know the God is still unknown to this person. Because God had to show them and us. I'm mysterious in all of my ways. I want to pick up one more verse. Um, don't remember where it said. It may be James. Hold on a second. No, that's not the one I wanted to get. Um, Romans 11. Yeah, Romans 11 and 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Oh, the depths. How great is our God. He performs miracles daily. He does wonderful works. Things that we look at and say, it ain't going to work. But God says otherwise. He has to make himself known unto us. He has to show us the riches of his power. The, the, how deep, how amazing he is. He has to show us. He wants to show us. We have to let him know. We have to be willing to see it. Because so often we'll miss the miracles of God. Because the only thing we're focused on is money. Or the only thing we're focused on is our lifestyle. And so we'll miss the miracles of God. We saw that happen with Jesus. We saw the people miss how he fed so many with a few little fish and a few pieces of bread. But so, oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. It's a mystery. And it's a deep mystery. But the Bible tells me the spirit searches the deep things in God. We got to be willing to dig. And when we dig, <laughs> let's move on, man. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out? It's mysterious. His ways are past finding out. But that's only without the mind of Christ. Because the Bible says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So we can find out things that are revealed to us. All right? For who has known the mind of the Lord? We will, because it's given to us to know his mind. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He said, let it be in you. I want to give it to you. Let it. Let it come. Don't reject the mystery. People, there's a lot of people that say they like solving mysteries. Why not solve the mystery of God, the unknown God? Why not solve it? Why not let him put his mind in you so that we can be more like him? All right. For who have known the mind of the Lord or mm -hmm. who has been his counselor? Who's been his counselor? Don't nobody have to tell God what to do. Nobody had to teach him. Nobody had to instruct him. 
but he wants to instruct us. Is this not amazing to have the mind of God dwelling in us? Is that not amazing? To have the mind of someone who knows everything. See, when some, when we find someone that we like, let's say we, we like a particular subject. It can be rocks. It can be archaeology, whatever, whatever you want it to be. If you enjoy that particular subject, we like to find a brilliant mind in that subject. We like to learn everything that they know. We want to learn every single thing that they know. Things that we do, we start changing to do it their way because they're so smart. We look up to them. We allow them to counsel us. But how much greater is it to have the mind of God, the one that created the heaven and the earth? How much greater is it? And he said, let it be in you. Let this mind be in you, he said. He will give you that knowledge. He wants to give you the wisdom. James told us in uh, the first chapter, uh, he said, if any of us lack knowledge and wisdom, he said, ask of the Lord. Ask of him. Seek him. He will instruct you. He'll counsel you. Because that's what he gave us the counsel Lord for. He gave us the counselor, the Holy Ghost. So we could know who the unknown God is, all right? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recomp recompensed unto him again. Who gave to God first? Nobody. <laughs> Just what Paul told us in, um, in the book of Acts. He said, he doesn't need us. Who gave to him? He don't need us to do it. You, know, you hadn't given God anything. We said, I give myself away. He don't need you. He desires to have you, though. That's what love is about. He desires us. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants that relationship. But we don't need to get it twisted. We have to continue to remain humble. He don't need us. All right. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. He gave everything for us. He created everything we see around us for us. He created the heaven and the earth for us. The sea, the whales, the dolphins that we love to swim with. He created these things for us. This is the unknown God. This is the one. It's mysterious. Because somebody said, I've never seen him. Because God is a spirit. That's mysterious. It's a mystery. You've never seen the, the wind either. You've never seen the air that you're breathing in either. But you still believe in that. You don't question the mystery of air, do you? I never heard anybody question the mystery of air mill. I never heard anybody say, man, what's this stuff I keep breathing in? How am I breathing? I never heard anybody question that mystery. I never heard anybody question. Why question God? I'm not saying don't ask questions. 
I'm saying, why not believe in him? We should ask questions. God wants you to ask questions. But let's seek to find out his truth. And so we're going to I'm going to wrap it up there. I'm going to stop rambling on and on. But I'm praying that we would seek to find out who the unknown God is. And when we find the answer, I pray we don't reject it because a lot of times that's what happens. When we seek answers, we already have an answer that we want to be true. And so when we receive an answer that uh, contradicts what we wanted to hear, we say, no, nah, that, that, that couldn't have been it right there. Ain't no way that was it because it didn't align with what we wanted to believe. But we have to be humble. As the children of God, as those coming to Christ, we have to be humble. We have to be willing to accept all that God says because he's looking out for you. That's his goal is to take care of you. That's what the father does, supposed to. He's supposed to take care of his child. And that's how God wants to do us. So I appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, and as always, if you have any questions, definitely feel free to ask. Now, later, whenever. Uh, and I'll turn it back over to Melvin. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> you have anything else to say, huh? <laughs> no? Yeah, I'm good. But, um, yeah, um, like Tony was saying, I always feel free to ask questions. Um, like this topic tonight, um, somebody um, was inspired by somebody asking questions, um, trying to get to know God. Um, and this person was saying, like, there is so much debate within the many guys and even within the the Christian God, um, that's that's what he said. But um there is definitely only one true God and um we definitely have to seek him to find out who he is and what he is calling each and every one of us to do. Just like in the seventh chapter of Matthew, um knock and it'll be open to seek and ye shall find. So we have to seek him. And we all start off knowing nothing because we have to come to God as a little child humble ourselves and like Tony was saying we already have answers that we want to be true and and the Bible says seeking you shall find so when we start seeking God he's definitely going to give us answers that we don't want to hear sometimes and we will go and ask somebody hey is this true and then that person will say yes and is it doesn't allow what we want to believe then we go ask somebody else is this true? And then they say, no, this isn't true. Then we will, we will yeah. tend to believe oh, yeah. that person. was like, man, see, I knew it wasn't true. <laughs> Just because we want something to be true. But that's that's not the case. Um, I saw something a while ago, and it said, God's not going to rewrite the Bible for your generation. He's not going to change his ways to fit what we want to be, what we want to be true. Well, we just have to believe and trust in him what he says. Um, we had the video last week that said walk by faith and not by sight. And we tend as human beings to always look at the current situation and face and base our feelings and base uh, what we believe is going to be the outcome on the current physical situations. Like Tony was saying, the person that was suffering from coronavirus and how his friend said, I don't think that this person is going to make it. He was looking at the physical situation and physically yes it may not have looked like that person was going to make it but as the bible says is anything too hard for god i say nay 
Say nay. Um, I see we have a few comments, so definitely if you have any questions, um, ask them. Um, thank you, Lazinthia, Natasha, John, Tim, um, Sister Betty. And John says, um, love you, Tony and Melvin. Thank you both for everything you have done for me. Praise God. I got to be a better follower of the Lord. Um, that is true for all of us. Um, mm -hmm. No matter how much we learn about God, there is always more to be learned. And we may not know everything, but that's that's our job to seek him so that he can open our understanding. Then he opened either understanding to the scriptures. We definitely need to seek him. For our so that our understanding can be open. Zinthia says, "Instruct me, God." Um, definitely need to be instructed by the Lord. There's a song that says, "Order my steps," and uh, and the Lord. Um, and we say that, but when uh, we hear certain things that don't align with what we believe, then we don't want our steps to be ordered by God. We want them to be ordered by our boss or any or anybody. But God is the true boss and who's going to give us our true paycheck at the end of our lives as tony and i mentioned a lot of times before we would do anything bend over backwards do anything take all kinds of things that our boss tells us to do because he know we know that he's the one that's cutting our check every other week or every week or monthly however often that you get paid but god's going to cut us a check at the end of our life but we're not willing to bend over backwards and give up and stop doing things that he says it's not right to do. So we need to um, shift our attention and focus and do everything that God's saying rather than every single thing that our boss is saying. I'm not saying just go directly against your boss, but I'm, but I'm saying do for God well, more for God of what you're willing to do for your boss or family or for anybody because he is um, our creator. And has um, created all of us and made him in his image. So it is up to us to seek him and to see who he is and what he is calling us to do. And like Tony was saying, the first thing, one of the first things you get to know about somebody is their name. So my, so many people that don't know what what is God's name. What is his name? What is it? So we definitely need to seek him. And I see we don't have any uh, further comment so we'll go ahead and end it right there i hope you guys uh, were not affected by the storms this previous weekend um i hope hopefully there's not anybody uh, that's still without power because i know ours went off um, a couple of times for a couple of hours so um and we know that a lot of people in the mississippi area were without power due to the storms and a lot of the south southern area in the united states so we pray that you guys weren't too affected by that and even though that was a storm, it was still joy in the midst of it. God was doing his work. So um, definitely going to end it there. So as I always like to say, rejoice in the Lord always because today's tribulations are tomorrow's testimonies. There is joy in the midst of every, every single storm. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. No matter what the situation looks like, count it all joy that you're worthy to be suffering for the name of Jesus. So again, thank you for listening. Um, thank you for watching. And thank you for all of those who will listen to this after I upload it to all podcast platforms. And we'll see you guys next Thursday evening with another topic coming straight from the Lord. It's coming straight from the word of God. <laughs> Getting a little tongue twisted. But thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next week. 
Thank you for listening to our weekly Bible study podcast. My name is Melvin Corners, here along with Minister Tony Banks, who brings the word every week. You can catch these Bible studies live on Facebook every Thursday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You should tune in and ask questions or just tell us how you're doing. We'll see you guys next Thursday evening with another topic. Rejoice in the Lord always.